you're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. And hey, it's Chelsea. And today we are going to talk about a missing case. And this is on Jesse Farber. And I think it's a little, I think it's closer to me and Grace than it is to Sarah. I honestly have never heard of this story. I have family that lives in this area. So I'm kind of shocked that I never had heard of it. But it is a wild ride to say the least. So we're just going to jump into it. I will say this uh, one, I put in a lot of like information information in it so there's a lot of facts so if that's like not your jam skip to the next one and i'm sorry if it's boring grace there's some parts that there's a lot of info i'm sure it's not boring it's i feel kind of ashamed as a pennsylvanian to not know a lot of this information i learned a lot of new terms this week and a lot of just facts about pa so you're coming on the ride Hmm. with me all right (laughs) (laughs) okay So, as I said, this happened in Tamaqua, which is a fairly small town. It's just under a population of 7,000, and that was approximated for this year. Um, It is in Schuylkill County in the central eastern Pennsylvania southern coal region. Uh, It is an area with a lower crime rate than other cities in PA, and I honestly didn't know what the coal region was, so I had to look it up. And Google says that there are six counties, including Carbon County, Columbia County, Lackawanna County, Luzerne County, Northumberland, and then Schuylkill County, and all have coal fields. And I also didn't know that there are two types of coal in PA. And so there's anthracite and then there's what do you know how to say it? It looks like bituminous. And I think I lived in Columbia County and I probably knew this at one point, but. I don't remember when you were like, oh, there's two types of coal in Pennsylvania. I'm like anthracite and. (laughs) Yes, I think that's how you say it. I like get tongue tied on it. So sorry about that. But I think you're correct. And the more you know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to kind of get into, I guess, the week of uh, Jesse going missing. Jesse had a person his person and i've read a lot of articles and i am just not really understanding the logistics i don't know if this person was his ex i don't know if this person was his girlfriend but they were taking a break or if they were still just together so you know okay i'm just gonna put it out there there's a lot of back and forth on everything i feel like it's hard to understand relationships through media reports Because I know I've done some research where, you know, it'll say ex-husband, but they were never married or it's just, you know, I swear people just make things up sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. So I just want to put it out there and I've only seen one article and there is, um... A YouTube episode based on this story. And apparently, I mean, I can't back it up, but apparently she talked to Jesse's mother and both of those say that this person's name is Rachel. So I'm just going to go by Rachel. Um, Okay. No, there's a lot of people out there that say we're wrong on names and stuff like that. But that's what I'm going to use because that's what I saw. Um, She saw him 
the last time on August 8th, 2015. She mentioned that he had been acting strange recently, um, and she was concerned, and his mother was also concerned, saying that he had been not himself. She remembered um, quite exactly that on the 8th, he had made a comment in kind of the respects of, I have to do this on my own, but when it's over, we'll all be together again, which is kind of like very dramatic. that's ominous yes very it's like i'm not really sure what that means um and that kind of started to make her worry more i guess he was trying to like calm her down but that did not work yeah oh my god yeah so then on the 10th he ditched work and instead he went into Tamaqua. At this time, he was not living in Tamaqua, and we'll get into that a little bit later. He was seen at a Burger King around 3 p.m. It wasn't said what he was doing, but later that day, he did meet up with a young woman, but no one knows why, um, like what the exact meeting was for. Hmm. Though she did steal money from him. Oh, yeah. wow. Uh-huh. Which is like, huh. I guess I don't know if there was like a dispute or scruffle or how she got away or if he chased her. That wasn't kind of said, but he had later met up with friends to play video games all night and he was just venting to them about this robbery. That's how, you know, he didn't call the police, Um, which makes me think if he didn't call the police, they were meeting for nefarious reasons. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder, did it say how much money she... Gotcha. Nope, couldn't find the amount. But a friend said that they saw him messaging this woman who stole her boyfriend. Apparently, he knew who she was dating, and he was kind of letting this guy know, hey, your woman (laughs) stole from me. I'm not happy. And this boyfriend apparently apologized and offered to pay the money back, and they had agreed to meet the the following morning, so that would be the 11th, for him to pay Jesse back. Okay. And it's also important to note um, in this YouTube video, it's claimed that Rachel was told by the friend that was with him that night, the place that he was staying, that Jesse went to get meth. Okay. So, but I only saw it mentioned once and it was because of that YouTube video. So putting it out there. Moved on to the 11th. And like I said, he set up that meeting to meet with his boyfriend not his boyfriend but the woman's boyfriend to get this money back but jesse never showed up he did not go to the meetup and he was also supposed to go to work and i can't verify a hundred percent but it's implied that he never went because there's a police chief saying that between like 12 p.m and 7 p.m on the 11th his whereabouts were kind of unknown um Hmm. and he was supposed to be at work so to me that means he wasn't at work gotcha yeah so yeah so that is what I am infer- inferring from that. And kind of on the 11th, that was the last time he was seen or heard from. Jesse made a phone call to the mother of his children at 8 p.m. on the 11th. The call was distressing and he claimed that he was being chased by coyotes. He said that he was in the woods behind the Tamaka area high school. But then also in the same phone call, he said that he was by the elementary school, which are not really next to each other okay yes he, do you think he was like hallucinating oh we'll get into that no that is definitely okay. like a theory and we'll get into that gotcha um, he also told her his phone was about to die um and before it did die the signal uh got lost because he was in the woods hmm. 
He uh, did say that there were 10 to 11 coyotes which were chasing him, which is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's fairly large, Uh, like pack. So that was kind of like alarming. He apparently was begging her to come find him and bring guns. And it was just hard because she didn't know exactly where he was. She said two different locations. And it's kind of hard because some of the articles say that he said that he was behind the high school, but then some reference that he said both. So I'm not really sure exactly what he said, but this girl, Rachel and her brother went to go search for him and they did search behind the high school for two and a half hours, didn't find anything. And they ended up calling the police. And I do want to say the woods are behind the high school, so I don't know how far into the woods they actually went gotcha so tamaqua fire department tamaqua police the rescue squad department of environmental protection northeast search and rescue of delaware water gap and pocono search and rescue of mountain home all search for jesse in the woods which is like a huge rescue crew and we'll get into like We'll get into this. Search dogs did pick up a scent, but nothing substantial was found. His mother, Norma Fritz, said in the Standard Speaker newspaper in Hazleton that they didn't find any belongings. And at the time, he was carrying a book bag, but nothing turned up in the woods or on the side of the woods. Norma says that Jesse was familiar with the wooded area behind the high school. And I Google mapped the area. And because they kept saying woods, forests, and these are mountains. They're not just like small woods. Okay, yeah. Last week we talked about I want to say Eric piles, and when they said woods, it was like a really, really small patch. This is vast. I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I did some more digging. Um, I Google mapped the area and it's just dense. There is like a state route 209 that does go through this area. But according to the borough of Tamaqua, this town is situated between Adele, which I did not know what that meant or what that was. So we're all going to learn today. It is surrounded by steep hills, but they're really um, mountains. And this one, Dell. It's surrounded by Sharp Mountain at the west end of the southern boundary, Mount Anthracite at the west, Locust Mountain at the west end of the northern boundary. Then there's, oh, I'm going to ruin this one, Nesquahoning Mountain at the east end of the southern uh, northern boundary, and then Pigsaw Mountain at the east end. So, I mean, just mountains completely encapsulating this town. And they're pretty steep. I want to say it's kind of like, I think it's along the um, ridge of the Appalachia, uh, like um, Mm -hmm. mountains, but I could be wrong. I'm really bad at geography. Me too. And I'm familiar with the area, so don't, (laughs) don't judge me. (laughs) All good. Um, So it's just very, very wooded. And because it had coal fields on it, apparently they were like super huge, like just random holes everywhere um some like only 15 to 20 feet but others all the way to like close to 200 feet drops mind you this is at night so seeing these holes are kind of not probably the first thing on your mind as you're running away from coyotes quote unquote if that's what happened um jesse's mother said he would 
you know, travel these woods often. He would have to go through the woods to get to his grandmother's in the Lewistown Valley. It is mentioned in the standard speaker that there are a handful of areas with deep voids, as I just said. Department of Environmental for that area said that they did search abandoned mine openings with a camera. The search ended up being called off by that Saturday after the disappearance. The community banded together and started searching by foot in all terrain vehicles themselves. The Tamaqua Salvation Army in the South Ward Fire Company of Tamaqua donated food and beverages. Norma was not only worried about Jesse being hurt, but the temperatures at that time were in the 90s. So obviously that is a huge concern. If he was alive, like he fell and got hurt, you need water. I think. Yeah. I did not look it up, but I think off the top of my head, it's like you can only survive three days without water. Obviously longer without food. Sure. Rewards were immediately set, and Norma was quoted saying, We have rewards out there everywhere, and we are just not hearing anything. That's why I believe he's not there. So I will just say, and we'll talk about it later, that Norma really doesn't think that they were real coyotes. So I'll put that Mm -hmm. out there. Um, Police believe that it is a possibility that Jesse was having a drug-induced hallucination. It is quoted in the morning call, and I got a lot of quotes from the morning call, so so I don't have to say it a thousand times. <laughs> the majority of the quotes are from the morning call um, article, and it is linked. So, gotcha. this police chief named, his last name's Wood, he said, our theory is that he was under the influence, thinking coyotes were chasing him, and he comes down from the tree, and he runs west, and he runs by all these stripping holes. Uh, but Norma does not agree. She says that she believes the call refers the call that Jesse had to clarify refers to a gang called the Coyotes. Um, oh, yes. There's rumors that there's a gang and the name is Coyotes. And apparently th- this town is part of like Appalachia and heavy drug use is not an uncommon thing. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get into that. Um, in the same article, she's quoted as saying there's been talk about a little drug gang and lots of rumors that they killed him, that it wasn't animals chasing him. And it was the gang coyotes. There's rumors that he was shot and put through a wood chipper. And that's the most horrendous rumor. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the crazier thing is that police do not deny hearing this rumor. They've heard it, but they do not have any evidence or credibility to back. The claim up police did find Jesse's sweatpants and his bag with personal items, which indicated that he really did climb a tree near the mines at night. In December 2016, a hunter discovered these items next to a coal ridge off of off near the cliffs. And it's like near shafts and hidden tunnels. And I think it's interesting that this hunter notified Jesse's grandparents instead of calling the police first. Small town, I guess. Yes, that's basically what i assumed i'm sure everyone knows everyone in the same morning call article the police chief was quoted as saying while they were standing there the grandmother saw the bag tied up in the tree it was a little higher up 
the tree from where the sweatpants were. They got the bag down and they were able to identify it because there was a pin in the bag and it was a pin that the grandfather had given to Jesse. He, this police chief also said it was critical finding these belongings because it would better help them to recreate Jesse's movements that night. So after he went missing, there was an eyewitness that like later came forward saying that he saw Jesse walking at 720 and he was headed out of Tamaqua South on the S curve of Hunter Street. And I did link a map to where this this location was and then his location where his belongings were found. So that will be on our social media about it. This where he was saw this leads to a trail that goes west into the coal fields. This was just under two hours before his ex received or not ex, whoever Rachel is, received that frantic phone call. Wood says that the time from the sighting to the site of the phone call is approximately the time it would take to walk from the S-curve to the coalfield tree where his belongings were found. If Jesse jumped down to run, apparently there is no doubt he fell into a deep hole, like if he jumped from that tree because he was in danger. Another quote from that article says the holes are all around the pass where his belongings were found. There's no way you could run through there without falling into one of these holes, falling maybe 15 to 20 feet. In other spots, you could fall a considerable distance, hit a ledge and fall even further. We recently found one that is at least 140 feet deep. And like we talked about the phone call he made and that ping, it was um, linked back to, I guess, a cell tower west of Tamaqua, so where these woods were, which is important because Norma thinks everything was planted. So if that phone Mm. call was not made where his belongings were made, you know, there would be discrepancies, but they do match. So now we're going to touch on the drugs topic. Norma makes a pretty solid point that if he was high that night, how would he have the wherewithal to give specific details that his phone was about to die? But on the other hand, if we go with the one uh, source that says he said two different locations, you know, that's a huge mistake. He was not 100% clear with being able to get him the help he needed by giving a specific location, you know. And if he did travel these woods, you know, you think he'd be able to give more of a description of where he was than just behind Like these mountain, the mountain that he was found on, yes, it was behind the high school, but it wasn't like he wasn't directly behind the high school. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sure. So to me, I don't think that's very clear, but Norma doesn't think that um, he could have been high. But on the other hand, if you're high, you really going to walk two hours? Like, wouldn't it take you way longer? Like, really long walk. Like, wouldn't he, like, get distracted by something or X, Y, and Z? Right. Like like was mentioned before, the cop said, I guess, like, if you GPS it from here to there, it gives you a time. I just can't imagine, I don't know, when my mom would be high, she'd be passed out. Like, if it was a bad batch of meth, you tripping balls, man. How are you going to walk in a straight line for two hours straight? I guess it depends on the drug, but you said it was, it it was probably meth. Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, I, I don't think I would expect him to walk that far, but who knows? Yeah. Well, that's like, I'm kind of caught up on that, but I don't know. 
I have no idea. Drugs do different things to different people, honestly. And I guess it depends everything that's in your body at the time. That's true. So Norma has been to the tree twice and I felt so bad because her describing it in um, this morning call article, apparently it's not like the easiest trail. Obviously it's up a mountain and like you have to make sure you're not falling in these like pits that are apparently littered everywhere. And she, she's, I guess not as woodsy as her son was. And she said it was so hard just to get up there Um, but she did get up there and she looked at this tree and she's quoted as saying that it's a, like a spindly little tree. Like it's not a massive tree that I have in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of thinking of like a solid big tree that he might've climbed up. Exactly. And she said that if he was going to run up a tree, there were other better options like I guess, more solid of trees, very close to this tree. But I guess like if you're in an emergency, you're not like checking the rating of a tree as you're getting chased by coyotes, especially if it's in the dark. But I could be wrong. I don't know. I feel like in emergencies, people don't make the best decisions. Sure. Um, You know, but I could be wrong. Um, But that is one of the reasons why she believes the ant items were planted there because it wasn't, I guess maybe she didn't think that the tree could hold him up. I'm not Mm -hmm. really 100% sure. So, but she is, you know, pretty sure that the items were planted there. And I just wonder if the items were taken into custody to be fingerprinted to see if maybe someone did touch them. Yeah. Nothing was mentioned about that. But I'd hope so. Norma is desperate and she wants police to re-interview everyone. She is quoted as saying, I personally eat, sleep, and breathe looking for my son and the police. They're not physically doing anything, which can be hard. We know for colder, for cold cases, it can take weeks, months, years to get tests to come back, you know, talking to people, following up on stuff. It's not an easy thing, but I definitely... Noah could probably feel on her end that they're not doing anything, but I'm sure right. they don't. I'm sure they do not disclose, uh, disclose everything to her. Probably not. Because it's an open case. So I can only imagine how frustrated, annoyed, irritated, scared she is, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. She set up a Facebook page called Jesse Lee Farber Missing Persons page. Um... I was on it briefly. I think I joined it. I didn't reach out to them, though she does not seem to shy away from, like, talking to the media about this case. She really just talks about it to keep it relevant and to make sure people know that she isn't forgetting. Sure. So this is Wood's stance on the drug gang theory. He said, we've heard of it, but there has never been solid intel of a gang called Coyotes. And if there was a gang of druggies, there's just no way they would have found this location. It's that remote. Jesse grew up in the area. He knew that trail, but there isn't one of these druggies who has a drive inside them to go to the spot. Then he would. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I guess remote it is. And that's like another reason, like I was saying, I'm. If he was high, impressed as all shit that he made it this far, you know, but Wood went on to say that we did a drug raid in 2016, a big one, 20 some people were arrested in the raid. Our narcotics guy made an offer to them that if they had any credible information on the case, we would drop the charges and nobody took the bite. 
nobody knew anything. So that's like pretty intense, like to drop those charges, you know, just to give information and no one would either someone's protecting someone or literally no one knows anything. Right. And I mean, I tried to do some digging, but like, I guess which gang wants to put their information on the Internet? Because I found nothing. Sure. They don't have a Facebook page. (laughs) Nope. No Facebook page for me to find. I thought it was interesting. There was a, I guess, a private company called Wolfpack, which is a search and recovery organization. And they did a lot of work on this case. And I guess I think it was don't quote me because I didn't like write it down. But I think like the president of the company who was like helping with this case, he agreed with Wood saying, until you find Jesse, everything at this point is pure speculation, which is true. Sure. Mm hmm. Totally true. So it did later come out, I guess, after they, you know, went through like all the phone stuff, which takes forever to get all that data and stuff. It was discovered that he had arranged to buy drugs from a dealer that day on the 11th. But we do know that he got drugs on the 10th. They were supposed to meet at noon at a fast food restaurant, but one of them ended up arriving late and the deal never took place. And I probably want to say it was probably Jesse since he had missed already another meeting that day. doesn't seem like Mm -hmm. he was on his A game, but there's a possibility of did he score somewhere else? I mean, who knows? Sure. A little bit about Jesse before he went missing. He worked at the Libby's ice cream plant as a freezer maintenance worker norma told authorities that he had separated from his girlfriend which i found referenced once as we talked about this her name's rachel um Mm -hmm. only 10 days before he disappeared so that like to me that's kind of concerning yeah um sure based on that youtube video that she had talking with the family and this uh girlfriend apparently they had gotten to a fight about money his ex or his person had noticed that large sums of money were kind of disappearing over time frame norma claims that the fight ended up getting settled between jesse and rachel but he didn't want to stay in the residence with her so like i said i'm not sure if they broke up he just needed like a break whatever he moved into a camper on the valley road property of his grandparents just outside of tamaqua and i actually wanted to reference it and i did put it as a source um the youtuber who does this true crime you know videos or whatever her name's danelle Halen. not sure if you had ever heard of her i've never seen her stuff until this case Mm-mm. but she was the one who did that uh talk to the family and stuff um and norma told her that jesse was an amazing father he loved the outdoors and that included like fishing and camping and hiking um And Norma was just kind of really concerned that his behavior had changed prior to his disappearance. And I'm going to assume it was like in a a week or two time frame before he disappeared, because it seems like money was going. He left his family, you know, was saying weird quotes to Rachel. So that's kind of concerning. Yeah, for sure. Norma has spent every day since his disappearance looking for him. She has been vocal with the media. Like I said, she looks into town rumors that i can only assume spread like wildfire i'm sure yeah she has reached out to dr phil has consulted with psychics and has reached out to john walsh 
who everyone wow. probably knows if you are a true true crime junkie <laughs> you probably know who he is um and the reason why i found this case actually was because there was a huge article about this and a bill just passed this oh gosh i want to say march but i could be wrong but we're getting into it um Two PA state representatives, Linda Culver and Dave Millard, started pushing for a new law. Linda was driven to pursue this law by hearing stories of Jesse's case and others just like him near where she grew up. House Bill 930, which I'm quoting from the GovernorPA.org page, requires law enforcement agencies to deliver the DNA of a missing person, missing child, or unidentified deceased person to the Pennsylvania State Police for submission to the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, which most of us know by the acronym NamUs. I remember seeing this. I think I posted an article about it on our Facebook page. Did you? Actually, yeah, because it was related to another case that I had been looking into, or it, it came up when I was searching but yeah i think it, it was very recent like march yeah um and now pennsylvania has become the 11th state to require this of state law enforcement because before it was kind of like an optional thing um mm -hmm. so linda was quoted in the daily item saying representative millard and i both have cold cases in our district which is the reason we became interested in the issue House Bill 930 would give law enforcement another tool in the effort to bring some level of closure to the loved ones of these missing individuals. Then there was a quote in the same article from former state trooper Corporal Sean Williams was quoted. This is another step in the right direction for law enforcement. This is a big day for law enforcement and i'm very thankful for reps culver and millard i can tell you that there's nothing any law enforcement officer wants more than to be able to tell victims families what happened or be able to give them so some sort of closure and i do agree i i didn't mark when it went into effect but governor wolf did do that and i it was in the earlier part of this year so i do want to say it was march and apparently these two representatives had been working on it for over two years. And I want to say that at least Linda had talked to Norma. Gotcha. So Good. that's how I found this case. I saw it pop up. I don't think it was from your post. I, I was Googling some stuff or something else and it popped up. I was like, well, convenient, my new case. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> well, well, well. Yeah. But I thought that was super cool. And it's good to know that people in Pennsylvania really do want to try to get as much closure and they care about what's happening in their state. Yeah, it's a great step. Very much so. Um, and it seems like I know uh, Governor Wolf gets a lot of flack, but I think he's just, you know, doing the best that he can. And I, I know at that time he did a couple other bills. He signed into a couple other bills and I'm glad he did this one. Mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and with that, we're going to get into some theories fast. And I mean, we've kind of touched on them already, but we'll just get more into them. Obviously, the first one that probably pops into everyone's head is like this was a drug induced hallucination. Um, if he was on meth, apparently I was looking stuff up. There's a thing called meth psychosis. 
Um, and the top five symptoms of that is a drop in grade slash job performance, which obviously he was ditching at work. Trouble thinking clearly or concentrating. If you take that one source about the phone call that it was like so frantic, could it be that he couldn't concentrate because one, he was high or two, he was just not handling an emergency as well as someone else might. Lack of self-care or hygiene. To me, I would think him leaving his family is like a lack of care or self-care. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. isolating yourself. Um, but some people need that. So, I mean, I'm not sure. Sure, it depends. Yeah. Then the next one is spending more time alone than usual, which we do know he was living in a trailer by himself 10 days prior. And then the fifth one is stronger emotions and situations call for the call was super frantic. Was it because he was high or because he was in danger? Again, we'll kind of not know that. Um, It is interesting to know Rachel claims that he didn't do drugs, but some people think that she is protecting him, giving a better image for their children and possibly not to give police a reason not to like work on the case because we've talked about it multiple times if someone is a druggie if someone does prostitution or x y and z it's more likely that their case will not be focused on i mean that's true that is very true but then again you have her making statements that large sums of money were going missing drugs cost money and that shit ain't cheap him acting strange before you know, disappearing, him saying strange things. That is a drug thing. Um, And making promises. Apparently he was making a lot of promises to her. And that is one of the big things that they do um, are all the empty promises. Um, So there's that. And then some wonder if it was just a bad batch of meth that he could have possibly gotten his hands on the on the 10th that we talked about. Or if he mm-hmm. was able to score on the 11th. And I will say this. Uh, you know, my mom, I had mentioned, dated a drug dealer. Um, and, like, they would, like, lace stuff with heavier stuff to make it more appealing or more addictive. So theirs would have more of an edge compared to sure. what other people. Yeah. And he's a fucking... I imagine that could happen very easily. Yeah. And th- these two twatters my mom and this person were no one. I mean, I had no idea what they were putting in it. They're not chemists. They're not caring about your safety. God knows what some of these people are putting into these products. And so it is a huge possibility that he could have gotten a bad batch and it like really did not do good for him. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. So with that being said, the bad batch of meth and stuff in this case, I've never heard of this case. Maybe you have. It was super popular. The case was about Brandon Lawson. Uh, It happened in Texas in 2013. And the cases between him and Jesse are so freaking similar. I mean, minus the coal field. Um, Everything else, though, almost lines up amazingly. Like, the drug use, the frantic phone call. Um it just all kind of lines up they they did end up finding uh brandon's body um but it was years after but there's other cases that are very similar that are kind of just like jesse's and it's kind of overwhelming um 
And like we talked about earlier, this uh, area of Appalachia, apparently drug use is not uncommon. I have heard that. Yeah. So the next theory is Jesse was actually chased by real coyotes. I was looking stuff up because I don't know much about coyotes. I've never really had to know much about them, but it is extremely rare for coyotes to attack humans. They are naturally timid. If you were to make a lot of noise, it should scare them off. Apparently, it is ill-advised to turn your back or run from them, though. That was noted quite a lot in a couple of articles. I was looking at a couple websites, and some of them are quoted, not quoted, sourced. Um, and according to the Humane Society, there have only been two recorded incidences in the U.S. and the and in Canada of humans being killed by coyotes. One was in the U.S. and one was in Canada. And one was in like the 1980s and one was in 2019. So it's very uncommon. Yeah, I have heard that. But I guess it could make sense if he was making poor decisions that he may run from them and then maybe they didn't kill him maybe he fell in one of those holes it's true and so I, like, I guess it could be i was being an idiot i was like really trying to find i was like do coyotes eat bones do coyotes eat human bones and like i couldn't get like the exact de- details because it's very rare like most likely they might bite but it's usually if they have rabies you know well you're on a watch list now <laughs> yeah yeah apparently don't Um, get any of your electronics seized (laughs) (laughs) um no but i was just trying to figure out like if they did kill him would they eat the bones as well like would that be left behind to like find um couldn't find that um i have a feeling they would leave bones behind i I don't don't think think they're known to be like like pigs that eat everything i think they're just you know normal yeah and (laughs) i think there would be leftovers to me i could see like maybe if it was like an area getting like torn down for things and like Mm -hmm. coyotes not having a source of food but this is a mountainous area and it is yeah a lot of wildlife there so i couldn't imagine them being hungry enough to kill a person but i don't know um, I don't think we will know until the body is found. So then the next theory is the street gang named Coyotes. And there were rumors that he did owe people money. And could it be that these people were in such a gang? Um, And that's literally all I could find about that, other than what his mother had said, you know. I did read some interesting comments on reddit and web sleuths that point to rachel the x or not x whatever she was planning his disappearance um apparently she filed for child support the morning he went missing and could the call that this case hinges upon not be as accurate as she says sure that definitely sounds like a small town rumor though (laughs) yeah though there was also another thing that kind of hinges on this is, you know, if she was filing for child support because they were no longer together, which there is possible evidence, you know, he left and she was not happy about the money thing. Could that have pushed him over? Could that have caused him to want to get, you know, so high that I mean, I do know, at least from my own experience, when things were rough 
the drug use was rough, if that makes sense. Just not wanting to deal with those real life problems. Sure. Like, could that have set him off to maybe try something different or put multiple things in his body and just reacted bad? Yeah. Like, who knows? And obviously, you know, we won't know until we find more, I think. I've got to wonder, too, if it was foul play and it was a gang or it was someone that was after him. I can't help but think it was in the coal region. So they could have dumped his body in Centralia, which is apparently a popular dumping site for bodies because they just burn. Yeah. So that's a scary thought because you would never find him. Yeah. Like you can't even search them. So I was looking at like a map while you were talking and everything because I have been through Tamaqua multiple times going um, to Berwick from here. Um, And it is it's a very it's what you would expect a tiny mining town (laughs) to look like. And it is surrounded by mountains. Um, but yeah, it's, um, if you're taking a road, it's like 40 minutes to Centralia, but I don't know if you're like hiking over the mountains, if it's, it wouldn't be faster, but maybe a more direct line to there if they, if someone was taking his body and trying to hide it. I just could not imagine like if. Like someone did chase him to that or around that area, like walking with him in such a steep, difficult terrain. You know? Yeah, it does sound like the way you've described it. It sounds so hard to get there. <laughs> yeah. Apparently so, so remote. And I think that's what also has made like the search and find like very, very difficult. And we hear that in a lot of cases that are heavily wooded yeah and as sad as like kind of maybe even anticlimactic as it is i i subscribe to the theory that he was unfortunately probably high and you know fell into one of those holes or something similar i mean it sounds like a pretty dangerous situation even without coyotes yeah i don't know they they did say that they did send cameras down a lot of them but there seems to be so many caverns holes pits yeah what have you that how are you gonna search them all right and apparently some like as uh that police chief would said some like you like hit a corner and then can get wedged and fall even further down it's like ugh. Yeah. Yep. So it's hard and I really hope that they get some type of closure. Um Jesse Farber uh is a white male. He is five feet six inches and he weighs 130 pounds. He was last seen wearing a black hooded sweatshirt and was carrying a camo backpack. He had on a black t-shirt, light brown, bib overalls, and it was a possibility of him wearing boots or sneakers. He has a dog bite scar on each cheek and a small scar on his forehead. He had a boatload of tattoos. I'm not going to go over all of them. Um, 
they have a lot of pictures of his tattoos. I don't know if he like maybe he really loved them or was proud of them, but we will link them in social media. Um, you will be able to tell if it's him. He has a ton of tattoos, but a couple are he has a fox on his left upper arm at the shoulder a skull with a snake coming out of it on his right upper arm at the shoulder he has a bear claw on his chest and it just goes on from there and i'm not going to list them all so i did just pull up the number for the tamaqua police department that number is five seven zero six six eight five zero 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 and the NamUs case number is MP30732, and we'll put that information on the blog as well. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.